Yeah, we want to talk this morning about something really close to our hearts, um, something that we've been walking with for a very long time and that is very important to us. And I'll just wait a little minute just, just so that we can get the Bible working on the computer because um, we're going to get that going. But I want to start uh, by looking at a passage, which is Mark 3. So if you want to find it on your phones, hopefully it will appear on the screen at some point eventually. Um, so Mark 3, 13 to 14. A bit more specific. And we're, um, we're carrying on this morning looking at the theme of the spirit of, of adventure. We're taking a, a, a more detailed look at a particular kind of adventure that we want to unpack a bit this morning. And um, this is the, the passage that we're starting with. So Mark 3, 13 to 14. And we're reading from the bit where Jesus is choosing his disciples. So he's choosing the 12 apostles that he's going to go and send out. And it says, And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. So, as I mentioned, we're picking up on the theme of, of, of adventure, and the question that a lot of people seem to be asking at the moment, uh, when we talk about adventure in our groups, or just you know, in one-to-one, or maybe on a, on a Sunday, the question is, what's your adventure? That's the question people seem to be asking, what's your adventure? And I think some of us are in different positions on that question. Some people I've spoken to have, have said, oh yeah, I definitely know what my adventure is, I'm raring to go, it's this thing, it's this thing at work, or I really feel stirred to do this particular thing. Um, some people are like, I want to have an adventure. I kind of like the idea of having an adventure, but I couldn't tell you what it is. I'm still waiting to hear from God. What, what is my adventure? I'm not, not really sure. And some people are thinking, to be honest, I don't really fancy an adventure right now. That's, that's not, really, it's not really where I am. Um, I, I kind of just want to chill, want to relax. Adventure isn't really my, my cup of tea. Um, but this passage that we've just, we've just read, I believe it, it represents, if you like, uh, the beginning of an adventure for these 12 people that Jesus named and called to be those who were with him. Um, this is really the turning point of their lives. It's the moment when their lives got turned upside down and everything changed for them. Um, but when we look at it, I, I can see there are two reasons that Jesus appointed these guys. It says he appointed 12, designated them apostles, that they might be with him, that's reason number one, and that he might send them out to preach. Um, and so we tend to think, when we look at these two reasons, being with Jesus and being sent out, when we think of adventure, we tend to gravitate towards the, the second aspect, the being sent out, the doing stuff. And when we talk about stories of adventure and things that have happened, it, it tends to be, oh, I went out and, and had this nudge to pray for this person or, or do this thing. We have the stories and the testimonies, and that's all wonderful and great. But I, I think that actually both those things are adventure. I think being with Jesus is just as much an adventure as being sent out by him. And I think they're both important, but I think they both represent what adventure means. And this is what we really want to focus on this morning. We're not talking particularly about the, the doing of stuff, the being sent out, as important as that is. We want to focus on the first bit, just being with Jesus, the simple fact uh, of being with Jesus. And so I think this is a particular kind of adventure. If we're asking the question, what's our adventure? 
I think it, it's both of these things. It's being with Jesus and it's being sent out. But I think it really it solves that problem of what is my adventure? Because really we can start with that reality that our adventure is just to be with him. That's enough of an, an adventure. And you may think, is that really adventurous? But um, I often think about famous people. And I, I remember one particular time when I was in the, uh, the National Gallery in London, which I like to do from time to time, just, just wander around. And I happened to see in the room that I was in, I saw Anton Deck. Um, and I'm not a massive fan of Anton Deck, but when I saw them in this gallery, they were together, interestingly enough, walking around the National Gallery. I don't know if they're filming something or just you know, going for an afternoon. Um, some, I got a bit excited when I saw Anton Deck. I was like, wow, that's Anton Deck. Wow, that, that's amazing. I don't know why I was excited. I'm not you know, much of a fan of them, but I got excited. And I thought... If I'm excited about being in the presence of Anton Deck, how much more (laughs) should I be excited about being in the presence of the God of the universe? Seriously. We we sung about it this morning. Um, He shakes the whole earth with holy thunder. Was that the line? I think it is. Um, He fills us with awe and wonder. These are the things we're singing about. This is our God, and we get to spend time with him. Um, we are his disciples. We've heard that same call that he gave to his apostles. He's looked us in the eyes and said, I want you to follow me. I think you can do it. Do you want to say yes to it? And some of us have said yes. Maybe some of us are not, not sure. But he's inviting us. I want you to be with me. Yes, I'm going to send you out. Yes, there's many exploits and good works that I prepared for you to do. But I just want you to be with me. And, and that's what we want to dwell on this morning because I think it's an amazing thing. Uh, we're called, first of all, just to be with him and then to be sent out. Can we have the first slide on the presentation? So we have the adventure of number one, should be the next one, simply being with him, and number two, being sent by him. And I think these two things encapsulate adventure. Uh, They encapsulate what it means to be on an adventure with Jesus. And I don't think you can have one without the other. Simply being with him is not much use because we're called to be a change in the world. We're called to make a difference, as Mark said, be a real people, making a real difference. And seeing lives transformed, seeing other people come to know him. But if we have been sent by him on, on its own, and that's our focus, and we're like, what's my adventure? What am I doing? Who am I praying for today? What am I going out and doing? And we start to feel bad for not doing it, and we might get discouraged when it doesn't quite work out. We might grow weary and tired and burnt out because we're not designed to do that without first being in his presence. We're not designed to have number two without first having number one. And so that's what we want to talk about this morning. Uh, We're his disciples and we get to be with him. And Peter's going to expand a bit more about that. Sorry, I thought I'd just do the brotherly thing and (laughs) help him out there. Cool. So, yeah, we've been looking at these two elements of adventure. So we've got the simply being with him and being sent uh, by him, which Jem explained really, really well. And hopefully I'll be able to do the same. Um, so, as we began to look at this, um, as these two elements of adventure, um, particularly looking at that, that bit in Mark 3, uh, 13 to 14, the idea that they were first called to Jesus so they would be with him, simply be with him, and then uh, that they would then, from that place of being with him, that place of abiding with him, they would be sent out uh, into the world to do the amazing works that he had for them. Um, we began to notice a similar pattern all throughout the Bible. Um, and so if you get up that second slide, maybe click a couple of times. 
Um, so the first one, the first example, so obviously we've got the Mark 3, 13 to 14, which we mentioned to start off with. Uh, the next one we've got actually comes from the Great Commandment, which can be found in various Gospels, but the particular one we're looking at here is uh, Matthew 22, 36 to 39. And um, this is, Jesus mentions this when someone says, so what is the greatest commandment? What, what is the number one thing? Um, and he says, the greatest commandment is that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. And the second is like it, that you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. So we notice, actually, you've got that similar progression from one to the other. So you've got that first one, you shall love the Lord your God, that element of being with God, that element of simply loving him for the sake of who he is, for the sake of what he does, the fact that he is God. And then you've got that element of loving your neighbor as yourself. And I know for me, um, when I think about adventure, the things that come into my mind certainly fit in with the second category. So I think of adventure, I think of going out, praying for people, serving, um, doing, doing those things. Um, and all of that is obviously fantastic and essential, but those things fit in, I believe, with the second element of adventure. And I believe there's this whole area of simply being with him, which we can find in that number one, you shall love the Lord your God. And obviously there's that element that we love God by serving him and doing his works, but there is also just that simple loving him, being with him, worshipping him, being people of his presence, and just being transformed by him. And so that was really cool when we found that. And the next one is um, actually something that Paul says in Acts 27. So you want to go to the next bit. So this is when uh, Neil mentioned this a few weeks ago. It's when he's on a boat and they're kind of, everything's going a little bit wrong. And Paul certainly had a lot of adventures. And um, what he says to the people is he says, the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. And there's that interesting progression. So Paul is actually talking about serving God first from a place of belonging. So Paul recognizes First, he belongs with God. First, he abides with God. He knows who he is in God. He knows what it is to be with God. And from that place, he then goes to serve. And um, like I said, Paul is someone who had some absolutely crazy adventures and things like that. But he was a person who understand what it was to belong. He was a person who understand what it was to love God and to be in that first place. That is a real adventure as well. Uh, the next one is really, really interesting, actually. It's from uh, Gabriel, Angel Gabriel, in Luke 1. Um, and he starts off by saying, my name is Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. It's kind of an interesting thing. You think of angels. You think of, uh, particularly angel, you know, angel Gabriel, this mighty creature, one of the most powerful created beings in God's universe. And he says, "I stand in the presence of God." He doesn't say, "My name is Gabriel. I I fight battles for God." He says, "I stand in the presence of God." And I was kind of like, "Well, that's kind of weird." Um, and then from that place, he says, "And I was sent to tell you this message." And what this tells me is that. Actually, standing in the presence of God, being with him, is such an important part of being sent by him. And this is something that, you know, the angels who, who are servants of God, they understand. They stand in the presence of God, and they know what it is to be sent from that place, just like it was with Paul, and just like it is when Jesus mentions in the first commandment. So that's a really interesting one. And the next one... Um, is David. And David is probably, if we're looking for an example of an adventurer in the Bible, we can't really get a better example than him. He was a killer of lions and bears. He defeated Goliath. He led Israel into battle many, many times, won incredible victories through the power of God. He restored the ark to Jerusalem. And it was probably one of the greatest um, leaders to um, rule Israel. 
or of all time, to be honest. And so we look at David, we think of David, he's this incredible person of adventure. He has this amazing um, anointing to do these things. And, but what is at the heart of David? It's that boy sitting on a hillside with those sheep, simply being in God's presence. And that was where he began. That was where David's journey began. All the adventures that came out in David's life came from that place of simply being with God. And nothing um, highlights that more in Psalm 27, where all of David's desire, all his goal in life is summed up into this one sentence. And he says, one thing I have asked of the Lord, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. So we look at David, and he could have asked many things. He could have said, you know, I want to lead the army. I want to I wanna go out. I want to do amazing adventures. I want to... You could even name anything. It could have been any of the things that he did, but that wasn't his desire. His desire was one thing, and that was to dwell in the house of the Lord. And from that place, God saw his heart. He saw that he had a heart that was after him, and he said, here is a person that I can use. And that's, that's, that's a really interesting example. And the final one we just want to, and I'm sure there are many more than the ones we've got, but these were just the ones we found. Uh, the final one was actually Joshua. And in Exodus 33, it says of Joshua that he was a young man who would not depart from the tent. So while Moses um, went to the mountain, they had the tent, which was where God dwelt in that time. He dwelt in, that's where his presence was. That's where he lived. And uh, Joshua, it says, was a person who wouldn't depart from the tent. And that, that tells me that he was a person who knew God's presence. He knew what it was to stand before God. He knew what it was to belong to God. He knew what it was to simply be with God, uh, similar to David. And then it tells us that Joshua was the man that God chose to lead Israel into the promised land. Again, one of probably the biggest adventures you can imagine, leading an entire nation into a whole new land, many battles, many things you need to fight. But again, it starts from that place of this young man who would not depart from the tent. He knew what it was to be in, David, in, uh, in God's presence. And so I see a kind of a link between David and Joshua in that element. There is just that love for God. There is that first commandment that they're just living, that they just know what it is to be with him, and then from that place of being to be sent. It seems that both those people, David and Joshua, were found and perfected in the presence of God, that that is where they, they were made. And I believe that that place of being with God is the foundation for being sent by him. Um, it seems that every adventure begins in God. It begins with him. And um, it's interesting because as, as I think about it, I think every adventure needs to stem from hearing God. And um, I believe it's in his presence that we learn to hear him. It's when we tune our voice to him. It's when we learn to feel his presence, to know what the nudges feel like. We often talk about nudges, but I believe it's when we, we're with him that we learn to feel that. We learn to know and learn the language of how he speaks. And the Bible tells us that hearing, it's the hearing that leads to faith. And that is the faith that pleases God. And so we've got this progression that as we learn to hear God, we are then equipped to go out and hear exactly what it is he's saying. And the more I think about it, I don't want to have an adventure if it doesn't stem from actually hearing God, if it doesn't stem from actually himself, his voice. Um, Jesus says, I can do nothing apart from the Father. I only do what I see the Father doing. And if that's true of Jesus, that needs to be true of me. And I don't want to be seeking an adventure for the sake of an adventure and do something that the Father isn't actually doing. I want to make sure that I start first by hearing him, hearing that small, still voice, and then moving into what he's calling me to do and to what I'm being sent to do. So that is just a little um, walkthrough 
very quick walkthrough of the Bible and just some examples that we found. Like we said, there are probably many, many more, but those were the ones that we found. And it just really gives a picture of these two elements of adventure, this first being with him and how one actually feeds into others. There's a clear progression um, of actually being launched from his presence into the world that we can be equipped to really reach people and do these things. So this next bit, <clears throat> I really feel is something God's speaking to us this morning because Mark touched on it as we sang that song. And it's this idea that it can be easy to overlook the significance of the fact that we can actually be with God in the first place. Um, at least for me, like, as I go through, through life, um, sometimes I take for granted that I can, I can sit in his presence, I can be with him. Um, ever since Eden, uh, which is you know, the Garden of Eden where human beings decided to do their own thing and go their own way, um, God has been constantly reaching out to his people and coming closer and closer to be with us. But there's a limit to how much and how well a perfect God can relate to sinful human beings. Um, Because he's absolutely perfect and he's completely holy. And if we're sinful and we've chosen to go our own way, there's just a limit to how, how close we can get to him. So for this reason, throughout the Old Testament, throughout history, we see God uh, limiting his presence to a specific special place where special people at special times could go. But average people, you and I, um, wouldn't be able to actually go into his presence. And you see this throughout the Old Testament. That's just the nature of the, the fact that he is a holy God and we were, were sinful people. He spoke through his prophets. He was on our side. He was acting and in, in, in active in the world and, and interested in what we're doing. But there was just this distance that we couldn't actually get into his presence in that, that Old Testament uh, era. Which is why Mary's baby and the stable and the entire Christmas story is so significant. Because as Matthew explains in his gospel and as we sung this morning... Um, when Jesus came into the world, he was Emmanuel. Uh, God is with us. And that's what the word Emmanuel means. And it, it's fulfilling a prophecy in Isaiah that a child would be born that would be called Emmanuel. God is with us. And in a sense, God had always been with humanity. But at this point that Jesus is born, he becomes one of us. He takes on human flesh. He becomes the word made flesh. And um, it's the most inc- when you think about it, it's the most vulnerable thing God could have done. He chose to become a human being for all of eternity, in the form of of Jesus Christ. And I find that that incredible. Suddenly, God could be spoken to, looked at, followed, talked to by anyone, touched, but he could also be accused, mocked, arrested, beaten, and eventually killed. And actually, when you look at Jesus on this earth, and you look at his life, and you read the Gospels, you can see that people tend to divide into two camps, the people that Jesus encounters. Um, It's those people that actually recognize the significance of who he was and the preciousness of that moment in history that God was actually with us. And those that didn't, those that missed it and were distracted by other things. And you think of somebody like uh, Zacchaeus who climbed a tree just to get sight of this guy. You could see something was awakening in him. He was like, there's something different about this guy. Uh, You can think of the lady who risked everything to touch his robe so that she could be healed. She was recognizing the beauty and the significance of that moment. And then you have the Pharisees who who missed it. And actually, it was that second group of people that eventually uh, put him to death. But this was also part of God's plan. Um, Because when Jesus died and was resurrected and raised to God's right hand and glorified, he sent the Holy Spirit uh, so that his presence could be everywhere. 
And so that, that that truth of who he is, Emmanuel, God is with us, could be real for us. He's not just confi- confined anymore to a particular place in Israel, but he's across the entire world. And we can actually be with him. We can sit with him. We can be in his presence anytime we want. And that's what's open to us. And so I just want to dwell on that uh, for a moment because I really feel that's something God wants to remind us of this morning, that he's with us right now and he's with us everywhere we go. He's with us in our homes. uh, He's with us in our jobs. And this is part of what Jesus paid the price to do. And all throughout the Bible, you see that gradual uh, move of God towards getting closer to us. Um, Peter. Yeah, so... We've kind of we've been talking about this idea of what it, the adventure of being with Jesus, this idea of being with Jesus and uh, uh, being in His presence and things like that. But we we wanted to we didn't really want to talk about it without touching on some practical things of what that actually means in our lives, how that can be done. And it's it's a tricky thing to talk about because there aren't really specific details we can give because ultimately it looks completely different for every person, and that's the beauty of the fact that we have a relationship with God. It does look different. It's a personal thing. Um, And it is ultimately about listening and hearing to God, listening to those particular things and being in that ongoing relationship with God throughout our lives and in our personal journeys with him. So there aren't really specific things we can... We can share in terms of what to do, do this, do that, because that, that just wouldn't, wouldn't work. But there, there are some helpful things um, that we found in exploring this idea. Um, and really, I, I believe it's just about offering ourselves to Jesus and just saying, you know, I, I, want, I want to do this. I want to be with you. I want to see the value of you with us. I want to have an adventure with you. I want to be in your presence. What does that look like for me? And I completely believe that the Holy Spirit will guide us and show us exactly what that looks like in our individual lives. So it's just that element of saying to God, turning to him and saying, what does that look like for me? Um, So the first thing that we wanted to say that was very, very helpful is this idea of creating space for Jesus in our lives, creating space for him. Um, In any relationship, creating space for a person is important. Um, if we kind of just waited until we, we had a moment that freed up, we probably wouldn't be able to really invest in people. It would be very difficult to really build a, a significant relationship. And I, th- I feel it's the same with Jesus. We need to be very deliberate when we're, when we're seeking him, when we're, when we're actually pursuing him. And there's an interesting verse in Matthew 11:12, which I've always found a bit weird. And it says, um, Jesus is talking, and he says, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. I kind of thought, what, what does that really mean? What, what does that actually mean? And the word violent, um, the essence of the original word that was used is to apply force, to be strong, and to eagerly claim And I kind of thought that's interesting. That kind of sums up part of what I believe it means to create space for Jesus. It's that element that this kingdom is available for us. This relationship is available for us. But there is an element of eagerly claiming something. We do actually need to be a little bit forceful, deliberate in our lives and creating that space. So again, I'm not going to say exactly what that would look like because it is going to be different for all of us. It's it's the beauty of that relationship. Um, But it is just that question of asking, Lord, what does this look like for me? What does creating space look like? Um, I did want to share an example from my life, because I thought that would be really, really helpful, of an example where I um, really decided, I kind of realized that actually I do want to grow closer to Jesus. I want to know him more. I want to hear his voice. I want to, I want to be with him. 
And so I kind of asked God, you know, what does that look like? How can I do that? And this is just something that God prompted me on, and it was really interesting. So I, um, I, I, used to, I still do. I used to go running a lot, so I used to go almost every day. And um, that was a significant part of my day. It used to take about 30 to 40 minutes. And I had the best running playlist you can imagine in, in my, on my iPod. It was like absolutely fine-tuned to every possible emotion to like give me the perfect boost at those times when it kind of gets a little bit low when you're feeling tired. That song comes on and then you just, it gives you that, that real boost. And it was absolutely fantastic. I, I loved it. It was brilliant. And I just used to turn my iPod up, just crank it up, put my earbuds in and just bolt it through the park, run past everyone I knew, completely ignoring them. No one knew. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't have any glasses on either, so I was kind of deaf and blind. It was quite dangerous, actually, but I, I loved it. It was, it was brilliant. I was just like, this is, oh, I love this. It's so good. I used to enjoy it. And I, I kind of prayed that prayer. I said, God, what does seeking you look like for me? What is making space? What does being that little bit violent, a little bit um, eagerly claiming something look like for me? And um, I was getting ready to go running one morning, and I just picked up my iPod, and I just felt God say... I want you to give this time to me. I, want you, I don't want you to listen to your music. I just want you to talk to me and listen to what I'm saying. And I was like, okay. Um, because this was, this was like really something I really, really enjoyed. It was really, really good. But I've made that decision. Actually, I do want to create space for Jesus in my life. I do want to pursue him. I do want to listen to his voice. And so I made the tough decision. I left my iPod at home, and I decided to go running and just chat with chat with God that day and just just have a conversation, just talk to him about what I was feeling, what sort of thoughts I were. And at first it was a bit weird, but eventually I really just started to get some very clear pictures and things from God. I don't know whether it's just sometimes when you're running you get a bit lightheaded and I don't know but <laughs> no but I genuinely believe God said you know you've given this time to me, I honor that and I'll and it really poured stuff into me in that time and just it was amazing. And even, even to this day when I'm running, that is such a powerful time with God. I just, I absolutely love it. And I love to be with him in those times. And that is just an example. Obviously, it's an individual thing. It was individual for me. But that's an example of when I say, God, what does this look like for you, for me, sorry? What does it look like to create space for you in my life? And God says, there's a little bit, you know, there's, there's 40 minutes every day that, you know, there's that little bit of space there. Just, just talk to me, you know, and... It's, it's fantastic, and I, it's, you know, such a wonderful time. So I just want to encourage, you know, it is that thing of if this is something that we're pursuing, we want to we wanna push into more, I believe as we ask the Holy Spirit, we'll just open, open things up to us. It, there'll be a real grace to it, and um, because it's something he wants to do, he desperately wants to spend time with us, and so I believe that as we ask him, he'll really open open opportunities just like he did with me. And, you know, there are many other times where he's done that since, but that was a particular time. Um, it was kind of the first time I really felt I was just, yeah, doing that thing of creating space. So, yeah. Um, for me, on that one, I, I can think back to a particular time where um, I was house-sitting for somebody and I, I set aside this week and said, okay, God, in this week, I, I really want to seek you and I want this to be about me and you and just spending a lot of time with you and, and talking to you and praying to you. And, um, and so I did. And on that week, he nudged me about something very particular. Remember, I think it was the last night I was there, and I'd just come in after my day doing whatever I'd done, and I just went to switch on my laptop, and um, I was just going to check my email, look at the news, scroll through Facebook probably for a bit. I don't know what I was going to do. And anyway, I knocked the power cable of the laptop, and the whole thing switched off. And I was like, okay, that's a bit annoying. Plugged it back in, 
tried to power it up again, and it didn't want to power up. So I kept, kept pressing, and it, it wasn't powering up. And it was just enough time for God to nudge me and say, why don't you spend this time with me? And so I did. And so I said, okay, like, there's all this stuff. I kind of feel like I need to check my email and do this, all this stuff. But I thought, no, I'll just spend this time with you, God. So I sat down with him, started talking to him about all the stuff he taught me that week. And the presence of God just came. He just came into the room. And I was in tears. By the end of it, I was just in floods of tears, just in awe of the fact that he would just show up and be with me. And after that time, I just felt so sharply that God was nudging me on this fact that actually, at that point in my life, this was about three years ago, and and like Peter said, I was just starting to seek him and say, God, I really want to do this thing, really want to be with you. Um, He was saying, actually, your life is revolving around your computer and not around me. And it sounds strange, because I wouldn't have thought of myself as a particularly uh, gadgety type person. I'm not especially into technology. I haven't had a smartphone until last year. I've only just recently got one, so I had this really rubbish old phone that I, I used. And, and so I wouldn't have thought, thought of myself as being a particular te- technological type person. But God was saying, you're revolving your life around your computer and not around me. And, and what that meant was, I didn't feel secure. I didn't feel like I was plugged into reality unless I checked my email and I'd, I plugged into the world, and I'd seen what's going on in the news, maybe just aimlessly scrolled through Facebook, and I'd, I'd feel like, okay, I'm plugged in now, I know what's going on, that, that's good. And I'd start to feel a bit anxious if I came home and didn't do that. And so I just felt that nudge from God just to recalibrate my life a little bit. And what that looked like was for a season, sometimes I'd get in uh, after a day out, and, and I just wouldn't look at my computer, and I'd just be forceful, and I'd say, actually, no, I'm going to leave that. The emails can wait till tomorrow morning. Everything else can wait till tomorrow morning. The football scores, whatever it was, I can find that out tomorrow. I'm actually just going to spend this time with you, God. And it felt violent. It felt difficult. But that was what God was nudging me on in that time. And there was such a grace, like Peter said. He just poured into those times and really honored that decision I'd made. And so it isn't about thinking stressfully, like, oh, you know, what's this thing, God, that I have to do? I do have to give up this thing that I really love. Because God knows what we enjoy. He knows what we love. And the stuff that he might ask us to to set aside isn't necessarily bad stuff. But it's just about saying, as Peter said, God, I'm up for this. I want to spend time with you. And as you go through life, just listen for those nudges and think, what is the thing that I could give to God? Um, The second uh, helpful point we had, this is the last one I will add, is about seeking his face. And um, what you want to talk about with this, there's a command in uh, Psalm 27 Uh, David writes about how God said, seek my face. And he answers and he says, yes, I I want to seek your face. And I often think, what does seeking God's face mean? And I think there's a difference between being in the presence of God and actually seeking his face. And the way I think about that is, um, obviously, Peter's my brother. We have another brother called Toby. And he currently lives in Sunderland, which is quite a long way away. And, you know, I spent most of my life with him. We're quite close. And I miss him, you know, if I'm honest. Quite a lot of the time. I don't often get to see him, and he's a long way away. And if I find myself missing Toby, there's a number of things I can do. I can uh, message him. I can pick up the phone and have a chat. I can maybe FaceTime him. And, and that's cool. You know, that, that kind of helps with, with missing him. But none of it really compares to actually getting on a train and going to Sunderland and being in his presence. There's such a shift between just speaking to someone verbally and actually being in their presence. But even if I'm with him, even if I'm in his presence... There's a step further we can go. I don't know if any of you have had that experience where maybe you've been to a party or you've been around to meet with a friend at someone's house and you come away from it and you're like, I don't really feel like I, I really met with them. I don't really feel like I connected with them. I was there. I was in the room. We were in the same place, but I, I didn't really connect with them. And I think sometimes I could be in Toby's presence. We could be doing stuff together. We could be doing jobs 
or maybe driving around, looking at the sites or whatever. But we're not fully connecting. I think there's a shift between just being with someone, being in their presence, and actually seeking their face. The difference between just being with Toby, actually sitting down, having a cup of coffee or whatever, and looking at him in the face, and seeing what's really going on behind his eyes, what's really happening for him, uh, you know, what's stirring him, what's exciting him at the moment, what's he anxious about, all of those things you get from actually looking in someone's face. And I believe it's the same with God. I believe there's a difference between just being in God's presence as we are today. We love coming together and meeting with him, and it's fantastic. But I think God is calling us to come one step further, and he's saying, seek my face. And so for me, God gave me a picture once of I was kneeling before him, and it was like there were all these ropes attached to me, and they were pulling me in different directions. And one of these ropes represented just stuff I needed to do, stuff that I had to do later on in the week. Maybe I had to help Jamie with a youth session. I had this thing that I needed to do, and that was like weighing on my mind. Or this thing at work that I needed to do. Or just different conversations that I was having with people, things I was anxious about. And it was like there was a rope for every one of these things. And they were pulling me in different directions. I was kneeling there on the floor. And I just waited, and I waited, and I waited. And gradually, one by one, those ropes dropped to the floor. They went slack and dropped. And when the last one had fallen, I was able to look up and look at God in the, in the face. And, and he was there, and he was calling me to him. And I think sometimes in life, we're human beings. We're quite busy. There's a lot going on in our lives. And when we've created space and we come before him, it's hard to focus. It feels like we're being pulled in different directions. But I feel like God would just say, stay in my presence long enough. Stay with me long enough that all those things drop and I'm the only thing that you can see, and you're looking into my face. There's that amazing hymn that I love, uh, which has the words, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And I, a personal commitment I've made with myself uh, is I want to have in my life, I want to make sure I have consistent moments in my life where I'm spending long enough with God that those ropes drop to the ground. I'm spending long enough with God that the things of earth are growing strangely dim and I'm looking at his face. I can't spend all of my time there because there's stuff I need to do. The emails are important. The responsibilities are important. But we have to have some time there because he's inviting us into that place. And I know that when I come into that place, sometimes it takes me 15 minutes of just focusing on him until he's all I can see. Sometimes I just come into his presence and it's like he's there and I don't have to do anything. He's just right before me. But in those moments, it's the most beautiful thing because he is all I can see. It's like he fills my complete field of vision. I can't think about anything else. It's just me and God, and it's glorious. I believe that's the difference between just being in his presence, just listening to worship or whatever we're doing, and actually seeking his face. And it is an adventure, and Peter's going to talk about that. Yeah, so um, we were obviously looking at how being with God can lead to the adventure of going out, being sent out, doing those things. But I also, I found in, in my walk with God that there is a, an adventure in his presence as well. That there is an adventure in being with him. And that was something that, that Jeremy just briefly mentioned. And often when I picture being in God's presence in my mind, there's kind of this sort of serene, kind of very peaceful sort of nice, easy kind of atmosphere. And that's definitely true. That can definitely be God. But I've also experienced another side of God's presence, which is when you encounter his heart. And um, that's, that is something that I would definitely describe as an adventure. And it doesn't look like going out and, and, and praying for people and doing all those things, but it is definitely an adventure. And I believe um, 
that as we, as Jeremy said, as we take time to seek his face, he was, he was talking about with Toby, when, when you look in, we're using Toby as an example here, but it could be anyone. Um, when, you, when you look into someone's face, you can really see what's happening. You know, you can see what their passions are, what's on their heart, what causes their heart to break, what causes them to be joyful. And it's the same with God. I believe that as we look into his face, our hearts become aligned with him and we begin, our passions become his passions, our pains become his pains. And the things that break our, his heart starts to really break our hearts as well. And that is when we're, we're equipped to really work for him, I believe. Um, there's, there's, there's a bit in Ephesians um, when Paul is talking to the church and he says, I pray that the Holy Spirit, I'm paraphrasing, he says, I pray that the Holy Spirit will strengthen your inner man to, um, to, that Christ may dwell in your hearts. And I believe that as we seek God, that's something he does. He strengthens us to take on his heart. And I believe that God sees us when we're in his presence and he sees us just like he saw David. He says, here's someone I can share my heart with. And when God shares his heart with, there is that element of it being risky. It is scary. It is adventurous, but it is also beautiful. It is exciting and it is powerful in the kingdom because from that place of our hearts aligning with his we can then pray into these situations. We can act into these situations. And I believe it's in that place where we really begin to see things shift and change. Um, so, yeah, that's a little bit of adventure. Our time has gone now. Um, but, yeah, that's just a, a little window into what we wanted to share. And I think, yeah, there's an invitation to us to, to really say to God, I want to be with you. I want to be in your presence. I want to have the two aspects of adventure, simply being with you and then being sent out. Um, because I believe it's powerful and I believe there's battles he's got for us to fight things he's got for us to do but if we do it outside of his presence then there's a risk of us getting burnt out and discouraged and he just wants to to shower us with his love and show us who we are to him so yes that's what we have to share today thank you very much any questions send us an email or something and uh, yeah